0: We have something that I've saved till now that I want to, to celebrate here before we get into the message. i uh, are going to see a picture here something that took place yesterday, and there's a story behind it. And before we really celebrate it, I would like to just tell you a bit of the story, because I think this is a real Rivercross success story. Uh, the people you see here are Thomas Brown and Maria Cochran, who were married yesterday. And Thomas and his brother and his mother began attending here maybe about 19 years ago. And as soon as they began attending, they came to adult choir. Now, Thomas was in about grade five, (laughs) and uh, his brother in about grade six, and really they were more interested in fighting each other than they were in singing. But anyways, uh, they were in choir, they came each week. You know, after a couple of years or so, I noticed Thomas can sing. You know, he can really sing. Uh, But the next year or two, I realized Thomas is singing the tenor part. And within about a year or so, Thomas was leading the tenor part. And because of his choir experience and uh, his ability to, uh, to sing a part, he joined the, the high school choir at St. John High, which later went on to sing at Carnegie Hall. He then went on to university. Now he is a very successful music teacher. And yesterday, I had the privilege of marrying him and his beautiful bride, Maria. So that's certainly something to, to celebrate here today. Congratulations from them both and to, uh, to the mother of the groom, Mary Mahar. great to see you all here on this holiday weekend. Thanks so much for making worship a priority in your lives, and welcome to everyone who is joining us online. You know, we have people who watch us live around the city, or maybe they're on vacation and they watch a little bit later in, um, in the week. We have people from all over North America, people from several parts of South America, Asia, that, uh, and other places that... that um, that tune into our live stream. And so we're very grateful for that, and, and we welcome you to the service here as well. And happy New Brunswick Day! It's a, it's a great day to, uh, to celebrate our province together. We're going to continue uh, the series on the parables this morning. Back when Pastor Rob decided that we would spend a few months on the parables of Jesus, I remember him saying that for us pastors, it's going to be first come, first serve. So me, being a gardener, uh, of course, I would run right to the parable of the sower. However, Pastor Sandy, being the youngest and by far the most energetic pastor, (laughs) beat me to it. Uh, And that left me with the parable of the wheat and the weeds. (laughs) But that's okay, because I guess there's something to learn in each parable, even in the weeds. Jesus often talked in parables, and sometimes we can ask, like, why didn't he just come out and, and say what he wanted to say rather than speaking in parables? Direct communication is good for conveying information, but learning is so much more than information. No one likes to be told what to do, but when they figure it out, it's like saying, wow, I figured this out all by myself. And who doesn't like a good story? Jesus knew how to teach. He was a master teacher, not only back then, but in the centuries to come. So I'm going to read from Matthew 13, the parable of the wheat and the weeds, as well as the parable of the wheat and weeds explained, starting uh, uh, Matthew 13, verse 24, and later skipping over to 36. Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night as the worker slept, His enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. And then from verse 36. Then leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, Please explain to us the story of the wheat in the, the weeds in the field. Jesus replied, The Son of Man is the farmer who plants a good seed. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will remove from His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil and the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand." You know, it's incredibly difficult to understand another language, and it's hard sometimes for people to, to follow along with a talk such as this, when English isn't your first language. And I'm really talking about a a high percentage of our congregation here. And it's even more difficult when we talk about parables because everything means something else. So it's like you have to translate things twice. You must really love this this summer series. (laughs) A little sarcasm there. Uh, So as I speak, I'll certainly do my best to include everyone and uh, hopefully you can understand where I'm going and what I'm trying to say. Jesus has already explained the parable that I read about the wheat and the weeds, and um, <clears throat> I made a helpful slide for you and to hopefully just direct your thoughts, especially if English isn't your first language, so you can, can uh, look back on that as we dig a little bit deeper into the parable. Of course, you see, Jesus is a farmer, the world is a field, the wheat is the good seed of the people of the kingdom, uh, the people belonging to the evil one is the bad seed, the devil is the enemy. The end of the world is the harvest, and the angels are the harvesters. But for a moment, we're going to take that helpful information off of the screen, because I'm going to talk about some actual weeds and some actual crops for a few minutes. I'm a gardener, and I know a few things about weeds. I know that weeds can literally choke out the plants around them. Does anyone know the, the name of this weed? Okay, I took this picture back in June when it was just first starting to grow. This weed grows from a very skinny, yet strong stem, and its roots wind way underground, and so it's almost impossible to pull it out. But it grows around the plant above. Although it comes from a very small stem, it can grow into a very long and much wider vine, and even has a purple flower to disguise itself when it chokes out the plant. This weed often grows around my high bush blue- blueberries, and it's almost impossible to totally get rid of. Now, this, uh, this is another picture of it that I took uh, just uh, about a week or so ago, and it's uh, grown and kind of around a spruce tree here. So, does anybody know the name? What's that? Oh, yeah? Well, we're going to rename it, okay? Now you're going to know this as the Joe weed, okay? <laughs> So that way, uh, you can remember back to this message anytime you go to pull out one of these things and you are so frustrated and you are so perplexed, you can bless me however you want, okay? So I guess you have to be remembered by something, Uh, maybe I'll be remembered by a weed, I hate it when this weed is around my highbush blueberries. And many times I have pulled it, not realizing that the weed is wrapped around the plant. So then as I tug on the weed, the ripe blueberries go flying, as well as many of the green berries that have yet to ripen. And the harvest is affected as a result. <clears throat> so what else do I know about weeds? Well, I know that they can cut off sunlight to the plant. They can suck up moisture that is otherwise um, intended for the crop. But the roots also can grow around each other and intertwine, so if you pull out the weed, you can also pull out the plant that would one day produce a harvest. Therefore, it might be better, in some cases, to let them live together rather than having both of them eliminated in the struggle. So what's Jesus trying to tell us in this parable? We obviously live in a world where both goodness and evil live side by side. If we take a very narrow view of this passage, we could say that there are very good people among us and there are very bad people among us. And in the end, God will separate the two. He'll take the good people or the wheat to paradise with him and he'll cast the weeds away into an eternity without him. But, you know, I believe this passage makes us look a lot deeper than that. I mean, what person among us is pure evil or what person among us is pure good? I believe each of us is a combination of good and of evil. We all have wheat and weeds in our lives, and we need to learn to navigate our lives through these complexities and understand the ways that good and evil can not only live together, but that the good or the wheat can thrive and grow. Ecclesiastes 3 says, there is a time for everything and a purpose for everything under heaven. Life is a combination of the light and the dark, and it's a wise person to notice that and live under God's natural order. <clears throat> I want to do a little exercise here. I want you to think of your lives at this moment. Just looking out here today, I know, have, I know that I've known many of you for many years. I've known some of you for a short time, and there's others of you I'm just getting to know. But what I see when I look out here are many, many good people. Kind, generous, caring. River Cross is so blessed with so many good people. We're so blessed with so many newcomers to Canada here as well. But at the same time, I know that, that there are things that each of us struggle with. We all have weeds in our lives. We all have things that keep us from experiencing life to its full. At this time, I want you to think of some of the things that are in your life that you might struggle with? Maybe they're ongoing struggles. Maybe they're things that come and go. Maybe they're things that you had never told to a single person before, and you have struggled with it your whole lives. What are the weeds in your life? Is it an addiction? A compulsion? Maybe it's a family trait that just comes so naturally to you. Maybe something like gossip or holding a grudge. Maybe it's a physical illness or disease or a condition that you live with because of an accident. Maybe it's jealousy or lust. Maybe it's your economic or your professional situation that leaves you discontent. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's the inability to get over or come to terms with something that's happened in the past. Maybe I touched on some of them, but I'm sure there's many, many more. What are some of the things that you struggle with in your lives? Remember these because we're going to come back to them a little bit later. Few of the things that I have listed ever, seldom ever completely go away. God has told us in this passage to leave the weeds and he would take care of them in the end. In the Old Testament, the weeds are known as tares. They grew up looking very similar to the wheat. You couldn't really tell the difference until later on in the crop. You know, one time, I had my wife help me weed the garden. It was early on in the year. I trusted that she knew the difference between the plants and the weeds. And you know, I think she did. Uh, She did a good job and I really appreciated the help. But for some reason, I didn't have any sunflowers that year. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard to distinguish between the wheat and the weeds. I don't think I'm taking this out of context by giving this advice, but weeds are often hard to identify, and a weed or a sin can sneak into our lives, and it looks so very good and very natural and feels very good and natural. And we don't often notice that it's harmful in starting to block out all the good things in life until it's too late. and then it's much harder to control that particular weed in our lives. However, if it's something that you notice early on before the roots really get established or very far down on the ground, it would be much easier to remove that and it would be much less disruptive from your lives to get rid of it right away. Don't let it near the wheat. Don't let it get a foothold in your lives. Also, weeds or, or sin can be very deceptive. Weeds can look very nice, and some of them even have pretty flowers and and smell really nice. Just look at the picture of the joe weed here. I took this last week. I'm sure some of you have picked bouquets of dandelions when you were kids. Weeds want us to believe that they are good for us, but in the end, they don't produce any crop. Nothing of nutrition, nothing helps us. They have nothing that helps us to grow or to prosper. The flower dies, and we're left with nothing good. But what this scripture says is to leave the weeds along with the wheat. None of us are perfect people, but we can be good and productive people even with the presence of the weeds. God calls us to love and serve Him as well as to love and serve others, and it doesn't take perfection to do that. It takes an imperfect heart that is open to God's Spirit. He doesn't call us to judge, but to serve. He doesn't call others to judge us, but to serve. This congregation will never be made up of anything but imperfect people, forgiven and loved, and called to serve God in this community together, despite our own flaws and our own weaknesses. But do you know what our greatest temptation can be? It's when we look past our own weeds, and we start seeing, or maybe we start judging, someone else's weeds or sins. You know, someone may say something like this, you know, our weeds don't look so bad after all, but this other person's weed. Well, it's, it's obvious, I mean, look, everyone can see it, they're even talking about it in the community. My weeds aren't near as bad as, as the Joe weed, for instance. Look at that weed, it strangles you, it's tall and it's ugly, it's so persistent. It's Not like my weeds, you know. People, people hardly even notice my weeds. In fact, my weeds are kind of pretty. They have nice leaves. They have a beautiful flower that smells so nicely. I sometimes even forget it's a weed. I rather enjoy it. But not these other weeds. They're ugly. They're in your face. I don't have much patience with other people's weeds. And oh, that joe weed, you know, that's, that's the worst one of all. You know, it's true. Everyone's garden has different weeds. We all bring different seeds to the field, each one of us. But each one of us has a part in choking out the wheat. However, each one of us also has a part in caring for the wheat, in pruning the weeds in our own lives and making sure that life and joy and peace are all part of this beautiful garden, of this beautiful community, that we call River Cross. Do you know what else can happen? We can be so zealous in making sure that the wheat grows and that the weeds are removed, that we end up damaging the crop. Evil and good are a very strange mixture. Attacking evil can sometimes cause more harm to good than it does to evil. I've heard so many people say that they haven't been to church in 10, 20, some cases even 50 years because of something that happened way back then that was obviously hurtful and it did more harm to good than it did to evil. It harmed the wheat while the weeds continued to grow. You know, this church is a good place. There is a lot of good that happens here. There's a lot of love present here but it's far from a perfect place. In fact, it's even a messy place, because you and I are here, and we are far from perfect. It's not a haven away from the world. It's an imperfect place with imperfect people trying to do our very best to serve our community and to serve a perfect God. And in that, it takes patience. It takes understanding. It takes a lifetime of love and commitment to make sure that the unity and the witness of this church continues on in this city. God calls us to live with imperfection, to live with a degree of uncertainty, to accept one another and not to judge. God makes it clear that he is a judge. We have to live with the imperfections of others, just like they have to live with the imperfections that we have. All weeds are harmful to a garden, just like all sin is harmful to our lives. However, there is none worse than others. The weeds in your lives are no better or worse than the weeds in someone else's life. You know, I've heard it said before that in heaven, there will be three big surprises. Okay? First one, you will be surprised to see people that you never expected to see there. And secondly, you will be surprised not to see people you expected to see there. And thirdly... Many others will be surprised to see you there. (laughs) Let's look back at the passage of Scripture once more. The landowner didn't panic at the actions of the enemy because he knew everything would be all right. In the meantime, he was more interested in seeing things grow than he was in having a pure and tidy field. Jesus is telling us that we can relax. That we aren't in the judging business or in the business of destroying things that work against Him. The owner of the farm, God Himself, will make sure things all come out right in the end because He works for our good. Jesus even died living out the meaning of this parable, and this is significant. Please pay attention to this. Hanging on the cross. He didn't destroy his enemies and all the evil around him that was choking out his life. Instead, he forgave them and he trusted God that he would sort it all out in the end. And while he was hanging there, he focused on the good weed around him and he drew the thief on the cross into the harvest of paradise. Isn't that beautiful? This parable has really grown on me since I've been considering it these past few months. It doesn't necessarily present itself as the most, in the most flashy form, but when you peel back the layers, it's quite amazing. It's easy to see this as the negative parable, that in the end the wicked are bundled up and thrown away. But I think it says a lot more than that. I asked you earlier to think of some of the weeds in your life, some of the things that hold you back from living life to the full of the things that you've struggled with or the things that maybe you continue to struggle with. What this parable says is that in the end, when the harvest comes, God is going to take your addiction and He's going to tie it up and He's going to throw it into the fire and you will never have to struggle with it again. He's going to take your physical illness or your injury that you struggle with And he's going to tie it up and throw it in the fire. And it will never, never come near you again. He's going to take your depression. He's going to take your anger. He's going to take your jealousy, your lust, your greed. Whatever in mind, body, or soul that you struggle with. And he's going to tie them up. And he's going to throw them far from you. Amen? Amen. Then you will be in the presence of the Lord. Totally and completely free from anything that binds you or hinders you here on this earth. And that, I believe, is the good news of this parable. The power of the resurrection of Jesus proves the truth of this parable, that one day we will be raised to life just as Jesus was. But until then, let's nurture the wheat that God has planted in us, around us, and among us, until we wait for that great harvest. Let's pray together. Father, thanks for this parable of the wheat and the weeds and what it can teach us about how to live together in community. Thanks for the teaching that is so relevant today and can guide us to a great harvest for the kingdom. Help us to recognize the things we struggle with while not judging or condemning others. Thanks for this field you have given us, the city of St. John. Help us to be faithful, to love, and serve our wonderful community, accepting each one as they are, just as you love and accept us as we are. May we anticipate a great harvest as we love each other in the unity of your Holy Spirit. Amen.